This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. One of the things that I have noted about growing older, and, and I've noticed this not only myself, but I, I've noted this in other people that have grown older, we really don't like change. Have you ever noticed that in yourself? Maybe, maybe you're not older yet. <laughs> maybe you're still young. But older people sometimes resist change. I, I suppose there are a lot of reasons for that. But one of the things I think it sort of gets us out of our comfort zone to make change. It gets us out of things we're accustomed to. I, I hate to tell you this. There are going to be some changes made. This is Billy Lambert. I, I want to welcome you today to getting to know your Bible. So some of you may be watching for the very first time, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Please stay tuned today as we talk about changes, changes in life. There will, in fact, be some changes made. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize the course is free and we want you to know more about the course we want you to know how you can receive the course and we want to take a brief pause at this time to help you in your study of the bible we want to send you this bible correspondence course this course is non-denominational it's based on the bible it's conducted by mail and it's free to receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. You know, we live in a world that's filled with change. I suppose if some of you have lived quite a number of years on this earth, you could talk about all of the changes you have observed over your lifetime. Even some of you that are younger have seen changes occur in life. You know, sometimes places change. I remember being with my dad one time and we were visiting in Middle Tennessee uh, where we had lived. And we were driving past this uh, housing development. And he pointed to it and he said, You know, son, when I was a boy, I plowed corn in that field. Places have a way of changing. People change. I was sitting in a barber shop one day and a woman came in with two little boys. And, and she asked me, said, are, are you Billy Lambert? I said, Yes, I am. said, We went to high school together. Do you remember me? And I hated to tell her, no, I don't remember you. So I, when I got home, I looked her picture up in my, my, my uh, annual. She didn't look a thing like she did when she was in high school. She had so changed. People have a way of changing. And so customs have a way of changing. Think about the, the changes that, that we have seen occur in communication. I remember the day that 
uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. And it didn't take very long for that news to spread all over the world. But now, things have so changed since that day, you have instant communication at your fingertips. You can take your cell phone, and you can text a message to your friend of yours or to anyone else on the other side of the world. And, and so communication has so drastically changed. Think about the changes that have occurred in the realm of transportation. Uh, many years ago, we had to use pretty slow methods of getting to places. I, I read the life of a preacher, and he explained, and it went over details in that book about how he traveled, traveled on horseback. He may be gone from home for six months at the time. Now, we go by jet airplane. We, we can be in a place distant from our home in just a short period of time. Things have so changed in the realm of transportation. And think about how medicine has changed. I'm so grateful, so blessed because of the advances that have been made in the medical field. Uh, there are so many things that, I've, that have occurred in my life, such as heart problems and problems with cancer and, and, and other things that, that, that have helped me. I wouldn't be here today speaking to you had it not been for some of the advances made in the medical field. Change is all around us. It was the poet Tennyson who said, Our great world spins forever down the ringing grooves of change. But today I want to talk to you about some spiritual changes. And there are going to be some changes, maybe changes that need to be made. The first one I'd like to mention is the change that occurs by the new birth. In the third chapter of John's Gospel, there was a man with the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. Now Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And some make a a lot out of the fact that he came by night and they want to suggest that he was a secret disciple of Jesus. And inasmuch as we're not told why he came by night, I don't want to impugn his character or motive. It could have been since he was a ruler of the Jews, he may have been so busy during the daytime, the only time he had to come was at night. But he came to Jesus by night and he said, Rabbi, that just simply means teacher, we know that you're the teacher come from God because no man can do the miracles that you're doing unless God is with him. Now, Jesus, in verse 3, said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does it mean to see the kingdom? It just simply means to enjoy the pleasures, the blessings, and all of the benefits of the kingdom. You have to be born uh, again, to see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus didn't quite understand. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can, can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? You see, Nicodemus was thinking along fleshly lines. He, he was thinking about a fleshly birth. But Jesus was not thinking about a fleshly birth at all. He's thinking about a spiritual birth. For in verse 5, Christ said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
Now, there are several observations we want to make. First of all, there's the man. That man is Nicodemus. As we've mentioned, he was a ruler of the Jews. And then there were the miracles, the miracles of Jesus that he acknowledged. And he recognized that Jesus was a teacher sent from God. And then there was the message. You must be born again to see the kingdom. Then there was the misunderstanding. And the misunderstanding was about what that meant. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Uh, you would not think a grown man would ask such a question. But he did. He just had a misunderstanding. And then there was the mandate in verse number 7. Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, Jesus did not say it would be a good idea for you to be born again. And Jesus did not say that it is a suggestion that you be born again. Jesus put it in the imperative. He said, you must be. Well, how is one born again? And the answer to that question is found in verse number 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Several years ago, I was teaching a class for what is now called Faulkner University. They had an extension class in Mobile, Alabama, and I was teaching the life of Christ. The people in that class were, were from all walks of life, all religious backgrounds, some of them with no religious background. And I, I will well remember as we got to the story about Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3, one of the men in the class raised his hand and he said, it sounds like Jesus is saying that you must be baptized. And I only answered with one word and I said, exactly. Then we moved right on. I didn't want him to think that I was trying to force him on to, into something. But that is true observation because it's Adam Clark in his very famous commentary and I suppose most preachers that uh, have a set of his commentaries in their office in their studies, and he says by water here, he evidently signifies baptism. That's what Adam Clark said about it. But Jesus said you must be born again, born of water and the Spirit. I, I've long believed, and I still believe, that the Bible is the best commentary on itself. Now what we're trying to learn in John 3 is how you get into God's family so that He can be your father, you can be His child, that is, born into the family of God. And in Galatians, the third chapter, we have some of the very similar language in verse 26, where you're all the children of God. How? By faith. In whom? In Christ Jesus. Then how do we get into Christ? Verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So we're talking about a change that takes place. We're talking about a person being born again and becoming a new person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul talks about that new person. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There was a story told by a black evangelist, now deceased, uh, about a man who was very abusive of his family. 
And he would, when he would go off and he would uh, imbibe in the spirits, he would come home in a drunken state. And he would abuse his wife. He would abuse his children. And he said one day that man went to town and he fell under the influence of the gospel. He heard someone preaching about Jesus and about salvation and he gave his life to the Lord. But the family saw daddy coming down the lane. The children hid. The wife was trembling. They were getting ready for all of the abuse that he always brought with him when he came home. But he came in and he says, Y'all don't need to be afraid of me anymore. I'm not the same man. I've been born again. You see, there has to be a change that takes place in your life when you are born again. In the third chapter of Colossians, Paul explains that, that change. Beginning in verse 5, he says, Mortify, simply meaning put to death, therefore, your members, your body, which is upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then he says in verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But notice verse 8, But now put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge after the image of him, that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore, put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, that is compassion, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And above all of these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. You see, the picture painted by Paul here in Colossians chapter 3 is like a man having on a garment, an old garment. It's just tattered, it's worn out, it might even be ragged, dirty. And he takes that garment off. He lays that aside. And he picks up on a new garment. And he wears that new garment. And we're to take off in our lives things that are like that old garment. You take off things like fornication. Such things as uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness. You take off things like anger and wrath and malice and blaspheme and filthy communication. You take up, put away lying. You put away things of the world. And then you put on that new garment in Jesus. And you put on things like compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, and above all of those things, it sort of ties it together. You put on love. You see, we are to be changed 
And the thing that can change you is Jesus. I recall a woman calling me one day. She said, I have a friend whose husband has been drinking for five or six weeks. It's about to drive her insane. Would you go talk to him? I said, well, honestly, I've never been all that successful in talking to someone who's been drinking for that long, that period of time. But yes, I'll go see him. I went over to the house. I knocked on the door. The man didn't know I was coming. The wife did. She invited me in. When he first saw me, he was sitting there in his recliner drinking a Bloody Mary. He ordered me out of the house. I knew because of his drunken state that there's no way he could get me out of the house. I wasn't certain he could get out of the chair. I said, no, I think I'll stay. And he ordered me out of the house again. So I went over and sat down beside him. And I began to talk to him. I said, where are you from? You wouldn't know if I were to tell you. I said, well, try me. And he told me, and I, and I, I knew exactly where he was talking about. It was in another county in Alabama. And he told his wife, he said, Estelle, he knows where that is. And I asked him about a certain congregation of God's people. And he, I, said, I said, do you know where that is? He, I, he said, Estelle, he knows where the church is. And he went to that church, I think, when he was a boy. And ask him about a certain man in that church. <laughs> you see, I'd preached there one time. He said, That's my brother. That's my brother. I said, Why don't you let your wife fix us some coffee? Well, he didn't want any coffee, but he got up. And when he got up out of that chair, he turned that Bloody Mary over. I said, I told you God didn't want you to drink that. And he told his wife, Fix some coffee. I sat there and I drank coffee until I just didn't think I could drink anymore. But I was there because I loved his soul. I didn't even know him really. Before I left, this is what he said to me. Preacher, I'm coming to church Sunday and I'm going to let you blabtize me. Well, he didn't come that Sunday, the next Sunday. But another week went by and he and his wife were in the service. And when we offered the invitation for people to come to Christ, he and his wife both walked down the aisle hand in hand. And it was one of the sweetest moments I've ever seen in my life. Both were baptized into Christ until the day he died he never ever drank another drop I would go see him when he was finally ill and having to, he was in a hospital bed at home and we would laugh about that first time I ever met him it, it was a laughing matter now it wasn't then it was life and death it was heaven and hell I talked to some of the men who said they knew him he was known around that town as being the town drunk. Question, how could a man change like that?
And that's the power of the gospel that can change you. And that's Jesus that can change a sinner into a saint. He can change you. Have you ever been born again? Another change that's made is the change that comes by the power of prayer. In Luke, the ninth chapter, is the story of Jesus' transfiguration. And there's just one passage and one phrase that I want to mention in verse 29. And it says that when he had prayed, his face glistened. His face shone when he prayed. There's some kind of change that took place. One man said that it was at Jesus' transfiguration that his divinity flashed through the threads of his earthly raiment. I've always wondered, what did you really mean by that? But I know that when Jesus prayed, there was this brightness, this change. Friends, there's changes that take place when we pray today. Our faces may not light up like that, but there's still changes that take place. I remember a statement found in the fourth chapter of Acts in verse 31. The disciples had been warned about not preaching Jesus, and, but in, they came together. And the Bible says that when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered together. I think we need some prayers today like that, don't you? I think we need prayers today that will shake the world. We need some prayers prayed today that will shake the nations of the world and the leaders of the world. We need some prayers today that will shake the gates of hell. Someone said that the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. Prayer. Oh, there are things that happen when you pray. It is said that prayer changes things. I believe it does, don't you? Uh, it changes things. I've seen prayers answered. We pray for people that are ill. We pray, Lord, we, we don't know how we're going to make it. And then God opens up a door that we did not expect. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's found in Luke chapter 18. And verse number one, we ought to always pray. We don't lose heart. Sometimes we faint. We lose heart because we don't pray. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22, Jesus said, What service you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now there's a condition to an acceptable prayer in that passage, and it's believing. What confidence do you have that when you pray, that it's going to change some things. In 1 John 5, 14, John wrote, he was an apostle of, of love, and he said, this is the confidence that we have in him. That, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You see, another condition of an acceptable prayer is that it must be according to his will. I don't believe that I could ask God to to do something that would be in violation of His will. 
and God would answer that prayer like I wish. must be according to His will. And so there are changes that take place when we pray. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Oh, how we need to pray today. Some big, we serve a big God. We can be praying some big prayers. One man was talking to another, telling all of his problems. He said, the other fellow said, well, have you, have you prayed about it? He said, no, things haven't gotten that bad yet. Paul said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But may we close today by suggesting there'll be some changes made when Jesus comes. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 said, We shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Oh, there are going to be some mighty changes made. Do you need to change? Do you need to change? Do you have a, is your life going in the wrong direction? Why don't you give your life to the Lord today? I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. And we love you or we would not have this telecast. We, we want to help you or we would not be on the air. And we're doing everything we know possible to teach men a better way to live their lives, a changed life in Christ. I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And if you're not certain where it's located in your community, if you'll text us, call us, write us, we'll get that information for you. And also right now, please right now, pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Please do that right now. And also, may I assure you, you can take that course online. You don't have to call us. You can take it online. But however you do it, take it, because we want you to get to know your Bible. This is Billy Lambert thanking you again for tuning in today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.